Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I hope everybody's safe. I hope everybody's having a great time out there. I uh, hope you missed us. We missed you. I am the unforbreadable one himself. Charles is always daydreaming. We're two guys that love the Nets, and this is Nets propaganda. And we shouldn't have left you without a Nets pod to step to. And we kind of did that because the Nets have been really good. So good that Brett can't keep coming on here and complaining about the defense like it's the end of the world. Why, you ask? Because not only has the defense improved, like I said, if this is the worst we're getting, this is the best problems to have, the defense has improved. And since our last pod, we have picked up Blake Griffin. What the flying fuck? I'm ill. I'm ill. I'm ill. I'm ill. And that's what you get for spewing bullshit, because that's not why we haven't recorded, but go ahead. Well, at least we got our cold open now. Hold yeah. on, we're going to restart in a second. We'll close. That's fine. Uh, are we done? Okay, cool. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. He's done for Brett One, Brett Carroll. I'm daydreaming or something. And I am yada, yada. You heard the cold open. The Nets are fucking good. We got Blake Griffin on a veteran's minimum. We got James Harden balling out of control, leading the league in assists by the time of the All-Star break. Now we're coming out of the All-Star break, recording mere hours before Blake Griffin's supposed to debut in a Nets jersey. And not only are we picking up key pieces for what is supposed to be a championship title run, Kevin Durant is still sidelined. He's getting some uh, tests done as we speak on his hamstring, which is uh, supposedly a lingering issue from his Achilles from June 2019. I say supposedly because I'm not a doctor and I don't know, but I do know one injury leads to other injuries. So if he's been having this, lingering issue since 2019 with the hamstring it kind of makes sense because when you hurt one thing in your leg you're making all the other muscles work double time so but overall i feel like we're you know in a good spot Uh, the nets had two of the big three in the all-star game i did not watch the all-star game because i don't care but i do care about where the nets go from here because there are now rumors that we're going to get Andre Drummond. And there's also rumors that we might get LaMarcus Aldridge. Now, I don't know when 2K me took over the Nets, but these are moves that like anyone that's played 2K in 10 years would be dreaming about. You couldn't do all these moves on a video game. But now the Nets have gone in the last five years from the Shane Larkins, the Donald Sloans picking up uh, Euros that have a high potential like Jazen Musa or the Rodi Kuruks and just hoping for the best to being the destination where players want to go when they're released around the All-Star break because they have the best chance at winning a chip. Now, I have taken the role of the positive one on Nets propaganda this season. Brett's been a little bit more cynical Worried about the defense. Realistic, but go ahead. Sure, realistic. That, that's the word you're looking for. That's uh-huh. why the Knicks are the contenders, right? But I, I want to throw that. it to you, bro, because I don't believe in any world you could be feeling worse about the Nets than you did about a month ago. No, absolutely not, because they did the one thing I was asking them to do. And I said then, look, I just want to see some consistency on defense, and I'll shut up, because that was what was scaring me that there was just absolutely no defense being played. And I don't care what you said or anybody else said. I don't care how good our offense is. When you're asked to win a championship, especially when you have to win four games just to advance to the next round, if you're not playing defense, eventually that's going to catch up to you. And this team did exactly what I asked them to do. They buckled down, and they got consistent on defense. Are we juggernauts on defense? No. But me and you both said our offense is so good. We don't have to be a juggernaut on defense but we have to play some remnants of defense. And 
they had, and, and I believe the last time we recorded, it's been that long. They were on like a three game losing streak, and two of those losses were to really bad teams because that was the problem. Because they weren't playing defense, they were susceptible to losing to anybody. And it was usually bad teams because that's when you can tell they really weren't playing well on defense because they weren't even trying. And to their credit, that three-game losing streak, especially losing to Detroit, and I forgot what the other team was that wasn't that good, I think that finally put a spark in them and a fire in their behinds to say, you know what, we can't just think that our offense is going to win us every single game. We have to go out and at least put some type of effort on defense. And ever since then, they've been balling, and they've been doing what I've asked them to do is be consistent because, like I said, like and and you know to everybody's point, they said, "Oh well, they play well against the good teams." I said, "Yeah, that's great, but that's easy to do that when you play one or two good teams a week, and then sprinkled in between them are bad teams." What we saw was every single night they're at least putting a decent effort on defense, no matter who they're playing, and that's all I wanted to see because that's what you're going to need. You're gonna you need to know, like forget forget us as a team. They needed to know if they want if they need to. They can ramp it up on defense every single night if they need to. And they've shown that. So I'm good at this point. I'm good. I've seen what I, now, obviously, I'm saying that with a caveat that they're going to continue to do that the rest of the season and not take their foot off the gas defensively. But my point is, I've seen at least a month. It's been almost a month since we recorded last. No, it's been over a month. I thought I didn't, I didn't want to cut you off. And I'm sorry for even do, uh, doing so, but it was February 1st, the last Nets propaganda we put up, and it was us talking about the elite offense and the playground defense. And now it's March 11th as we record. The Nets are 24 and 13, a half a game back from the first place in the Eastern Conference. The Sixers are still at number one, and we are nine and one in the last 10 games. Yeah. The Nets in this and, time. And the, only, and the only loss was a game that neither Kyrie or Kevin Durant played. Um, and it was, James, you know, James Harden just trying to do it by himself. So, yeah. So, no, yeah, you're right. So, And we've been beating all the best teams, all of them. I think we have a loss to the Sixers, and that's one of our only losses. And it, but, yeah, but that, but that was a game. But that was a game. That was a game Kyrie didn't play because he had, a, I think, a sore shoulder. But I'm um, just saying that, 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 that we are beating everybody. The Lakers, well, and that's what I was going to say. Most, most importantly, we're beating the bad teams. We were playing – we always play we, – we, before this whole thing started, we had the best record against good teams. And like I said, that's great. We could ramp it up against good teams, but in the regular season, it's still all right. So I put the, so I say like this, like like I told you then, and like I'm saying now, I wasn't worried about the regular season. We were gonna have a top two seed in the regular season, regardless. But there's a reason why every year there's a 61 team that nobody takes seriously because it's very easy to rack up wins in the regular season. There's different ways to do it. Um, and in our case, everybody's like, oh, you're playing good teams. But like I said, it's easy to ramp it up for when you're only facing a week on Thursday, you know, you're facing the best team in the league. It's easy to circle that game in your calendar and say, look, if we play our A game tonight, we could beat them. Um, but if you go one and three that week because you lost to mediocre teams on the way, what's the point? So, like I said, I'm just happy that they're playing the way I need them to play, which is, you know, smart basketball on offense and just giving a crap on defense. That's all I really needed them to do. Like, like we both said, I'm not – I didn't say they need a top-10 defense, but they were playing, like, the 26th-ranked defense. I'm like, that's not going to get it done. I think over that span, I believe there was a stat that said they're playing, like, 17th, and that's exactly what we said. If you can at least get it past the 20s, You'll be in good shape, and that's what they're doing. They're, we're not a juggernaut on defense. We're not going to lock anybody down. But to go almost basically 10 spots up on defense, that's huge. That's what it's going to take. And that's and what to go have 10 to do spots up on defense pretty much without Kevin Durant. Right. Who, who you know, with Jared Allen out was basically our best defender. So that's, that's good. That's what I want to see. So I'm not going to complain because, like I said, they're doing exactly – what I asked them to do, which is just show up night in, on, night in, night out, and just play some remnants of defense because it was ridiculously how it was an all it was all star game defense how bad it was before. So they're at least playing NBA defense. You know, and that's, that's, 
That's all I ask. And I want to point out to people because a lot of people hate on Blake Griffin because he's not Lob City Blake Griffin anymore. He's a scrub. He's washed, yada, yada, yada. The Nets acquired Blake Griffin for a vet's minimum. And Blake Griffin this season is averaging about 12 points and five rebounds, 36.5% shooting in a little bit over 30 minutes, around 31 minutes. Now, contrast that with a player that people saying we should have waited for who in 26 minutes is averaging 13.7 points per game and four and a half boards in LaMarcus Aldridge. Now, I'm not going to split hairs. I think those stats tell me that LaMarcus is a little bit better of a scorer in less time, but we're not getting Blake Griffin to score. We're getting Blake Griffin to grab boards. So Blake Griffin's better than that. Let's be real. Blake Blake Griffin doesn't dunk anymore. Fine. But overall his game. That's that's an overrated stat. Yeah. That's a, that's an overrated stat because it's only been 25 games. People forget he's been out for a long time. So it's only been 25 games since he hasn't done, which is still weird because that's what he's known for. But it's not like, you know, Bill, oh, it's been two years. No, he hasn't gone two full seasons without dunking a basketball. It's been 25 games. So, and he was on, and let's be honest, he was on Detroit. That's not going anywhere. He's been hurt. He Remember, he didn't choose Detroit. He got traded to Detroit. And what was a very bizarre move, he he literally signed a Supermax and then like a month or two later got traded to Detroit. So, you know, I, I think we're going to get a much better Blake Griffin because his his role will be greatly reduced, one, he's gonna, and he's going to be motivated. I mean, it's you know, you're going from a team that's not going anywhere, and I'm not going to disrespect the city of Detroit by saying, oh, you're going from, you know, from L.A. to Detroit and now you're in Brooklyn. It's not about the city, and as a matter of fact, I want to get into that in a little bit later, but it's not about the city. It's just about the situation. So he'll be off the ball full. I mean, he'll be a, you know, bench four, a bench small ball five. And I think he'll thrive in that role because, again, we're not asking him to be Blake Griffin of old. We're asking him to just be a competent uh, a big, you know, get your point, get some points. And then, and like you said, grab boards. And and he's not the defender he used. He's not a really good defender. So he's not really going to help the defense a lot. But, again, Blake, give effort on that end. That's all we need you to do. Whatever jumping ability you still have, use it to block shots, use it to contest shots around the rim. And, you know, again, he's not going to be a lockdown defender, but I think he will help the defense because if he knows that's his role, if he knows his role is to uh, play defense, get rebounds, and then score around the basket when throwing the ball to, I think he can thrive in that role because it's not going to be – you're not asking him to do that. Uh, in, night in, night out. You're not asking him to do it for 30 minutes. You're not asking him to do it for, for 25 plus points and 15 plus rebounds. He's going to average anywhere between eight to to 12 points, and he's going to get maybe four to eight rebounds, and that's all you need him to do. Just just be another body out there that can you know help in that area. And there's, and I want to take it back real quick because there's only so much we can say before we see this team with Blake. A couple games in. He hasn't played for the Nets yet. One person that deserves all the props in the world is the Nets general manager, Sean Marks. In Marks, we trust, right? The 2015-2016 Nets started with Billy King as as the GM and Lionel Hollins as the head coach. Lionel Hollins, big disappointment for me as a Nets fan as far as his tenure with my team because, you know, the grindhouse Grizz was a fan favorite for most NBA fans, I would say. Real NBA fans, not the casuals that only know, that couldn't even name you who was on the Grizzlies, even though they probably know them for playing on other teams like the Raptors or the Lakers. So I want to read you this roster. This is the roster that Sean Marks essentially inherited. I'm on basketball reference, so I don't know if this is the beginning roster or the ending roster, but either, either way, it's pretty much the same roster. The Nets had no picks. This is the peak of the post-trade atomic wasteland the nets are never going to be relevant roster andrea barnani bojan bogdanovich markel brown wayne ellington ronde hollis jefferson jared jack joe johnson sergey karasev sean kilpatrick shane larkin brooke lopez chris mccullough willie reed thomas robinson henry sims donald sloan Thaddeus Young. 
And this is the, the ending roster because Sean Kilpatrick was one of the first signings of Sean Marks' uh, tenure as the GM. He fired uh, Hollins, got in Tony Brown, signed Sean Kilpatrick, who I think was leading the D League at the time in scoring. And that's where the Marks project, the rebuild really began, was stretching out Darren Williams because Darren Williams wasn't even starting under Lionel Hollins. He was having Jared Jack start, which to this day, I still defend Darren Williams that he was the best point guard on the team. It was addition by subtraction, but he was still more talented than the other guards on the team. I can't believe there are Nets fans that exist. I'm happy, but it makes me feel old, but there are Nets fans that exist, Brooklyn Nets fans that don't remember this, but, but remember everything after signing Jeremy Lin and or, or trading for uh, D'Angelo Russell, right? That they only really know the Sean Marks Brooklyn Nets and that there's a couple of young fans that don't remember the trade. They only know Paul Pierce as this guy on TNT or ESPN, I mean. So I think Sean well, Marks... To, to, be, to be fair, um, the Nets had one of the lowest attendances uh, in the league. Ratings weren't that good either. Um, there weren't a lot of Nets fans. I mean, let's let's to be fair, this has been a and I and I and I'm not trying to call you fans out, but this has been one of those bandwagon teams. But that's what the NBA is now. Who the hell was a Warriors fan before six years ago? You know what I mean? Well, that that that's a bad example because there's Warriors have a history, like going back to Walt Chamberlain. They had uh the run. No, 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 no. In the Bay Area, the Warriors, you know, have always been good, but. Now everybody's a Warriors fan. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just how the NBA is. There's so many Cavaliers fans ever since LeBron James uh, got in the league and more more since he went back to Cleveland. Um, there's so many Miami Heat fans now because of that that uh, big three era team. So that is the NBA. Um, the NBA has always been structured around stars. It's always been structured around who's hot, who's the team to beat, who's the flavor of the year type of thing. So I'm not surprised at all. There, Let's be real. There were no, there were no, me and you were probably one of 20 people, not literally, but hypothetically, you know, hyperbole of, of 20 people watching those games, sitting through those 12 win seasons, sitting through that mess of mix and match and just trying to bring people out. Uh, you know, who's, who's that net? It was, you know I mean? It was, it was 2016, like 2017 is when we got Jeremy Lin. And I remember writing for nothing but nets.com and getting called out by the Lin stands who are, I, you've heard me on this pod say more than once. They're just like Tebow fans that were insulting me because I was a Nets fan and not a Jeremy Lin fan. So you are a hundred percent correct, bro. That right. at 2017, this time four years ago, I was getting shit on Twitter for writing about my team and expressing that Jeremy Lin is not going to be this point guard that brings us to the promised land. Think about that, everybody. I, that's not a, that's not a hot take. That's not even like a really in-depth analysis. That is me telling everyone, here's what his stats are. Here's what his career highs are. Here's what his career averages are. He is not this elite point guard. And I will tell the story at the end of time. There was, I got blocked by somebody because I laughed at them when they tried telling me he's a top five defensive point guard. Yeah, I mean, it, this is the level of a basement of fandom is when you're arguing as a Nets fan with Jeremy Lin fans if he's a defensive well, guard. Well, here's the thing, and let's go back even further because here's here's the bigger here's the bigger thing, right? The bigger thing is this: had the Jazz done their job and beat the Sixers the last game of the season before, look, let's put it, at some point in the very near future, maybe tonight. Uh, I don't know if the Sixers play tonight or not. But actually, they do. And Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid will be out. So if the Nets win tonight and the Sixers lose, the Nets will be in first place since the first time since, I believe, 03. Okay? That's how long it has been that the Nets have been the number one seed at any point of a season and in the regular season. That's huge. That's a long time. That's okay. a we are a far cry away from the Jason Kidd era. Sometimes it feels like it was just yesterday because that's, you know, that's what we grew up on. That's what we're most nostalgic for. Um, but, I mean, I was in fifth grade in 03. You know what I mean? Like, I graduated. I was, I was in eighth grade. And just for the 
the listeners out there that are going, oh, who was on that team? That is the Jason Kidd era teams. Kerry Kittles was on that team. Jason Collins was on that team. Lucius Harris, Richard Jefferson, Kenyon Martin, Matumbo was on that team. That was the, and, and to your point, the Nets got more popular immediately moving to Brooklyn. So as unpopular as this garbage 2016 team was that I was just talking about, as far as money goes, that team made more money than the New Jersey Nets did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For context, this nostalgia I have for my home state Nets, the, the blue jerseys in the 90s, the navy blue in the early 2000s, it's unrealistic to think that the Nets should move back to New Jersey. I constantly hear New Jersey Nets fans saying, oh, it is, they, they belong here. Bring them back to the Meadowlands. Bring them back to North. Bring them back to Jersey. Honestly, the health of the franchise has been better since they've been in Brooklyn. Oh, yeah, of for course. Me, for me, Newark and Brooklyn ain't that difference of a trip. I can take the train to Newark a little bit easier. But if I have to drive, it, it, it's one or the other. I don't really care. Well, I mean, for me, if it was Newark, it would be much easier. It's, yeah, for you. For you, personally, it would be much easier. For me, it's really five minutes easier. away. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, look. Uh, as a New Jersey Nets fan, I would love for them to be back in New Jersey. But you're right, financially and, and health wise, it makes more sense for them to be in Brooklyn. We weren't we weren't getting big threes in New Jersey. We weren't getting the veteran minimum free agents in New Jersey. And well, also, well, also to be fair, we weren't this good in New Jersey either. No, so, no, I'm saying when we were, when we were Jason Kidd and Vince Carter, I'd say that was the popular, that was probably the height of the popularity because that was post the two finals appearances. So there were still expectations. Like to me, the ring the Nets could have had was the 2004 Pistons ring. That's the ring that, it, that really sits out. Like that was when we should have won. Well, also remember the, who the owner was. The owner was very cheap. The, 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 the team was still like in debt. So it's not like, and, 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 you know, people hate me for saying this, but, and also Jason Kidd won $160 million back then, which was a lot of money, even that's a lot of money now, but back then that was a ridiculous amount of money and that destroyed our, our, our flexibility roster wise. So it's not even like we could have signed dudes at that time if we wanted to. So it's, it's a completely different team we have a new owner who has a, who has a lot more money, who's a lot more flexible, who's willing to spend more money to get players of that caliber. So it, it would have been interesting to see if we had a Joe Sire, even a Mikhail Prokhorov back then, what that team could have been. We just we just weren't, you know, we, we were a small market team, you know, uh, which sucks that we're still the New York market, but we were a small market team run by a small market type of owner. And, and not for nothing, I never cared about that. As a New Jersey Nets fan, I, in my heart of hearts, and I have plenty, and you too do too, I, we know plenty of Knicks fans. Before the move to Brooklyn, there was a rivalry, but it wasn't this rivalry like it is now. And some people don't consider it a rivalry now. And, and the harder some Knicks fans go proves it is a rivalry because like, I'm not really losing breath over it, right? Like It's not like, okay, it's not a, it's not a rivalry, except you, for whatever reason, when you play us, you got to let everyone know you don't care, you're playing us. That's how not rivalries work. Me and you really go hard on this pod when we play the Suns because they're not our rivals. So we got to let everyone know the Suns aren't <laughs> our rivals. But anyway, in New Jersey, I, I was fine with that because if you grow up in, in Jersey, right? It's always New York City. New York, like, like a picture is the same for people upstate New York. New York City casts a large shadow over the tri-state. So if you're mm-hmm. not in New York, you're your little brother, no matter where you are. Right. Buffalo, their little brother. We don't even really consider them a New York team, which is ridiculous, right? Right. They're, 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 so, they're, they're Canada South. <laughs> so it's, I don't care about that. I never cared about that. I remember being hyped when we got stuff on Marbury because he considered it coming home because anyone that grew up in the tri-state knows it's the tri-state. Right. Like you moving around in this general two hour area is all the same channels. It's all the same stores. It's all the same access to the same shit. Yes. The Knicks have a hundred years on the Nets, but if the Nets never left Long Island or if the Nets immediately moved to Newark and not the swamps, who knows where we would be, but you know, what's crazy about what a little bit under 10 years into Brooklyn, this franchise is the healthiest it's ever been. We got the best, most talented roster we ever had. And good problems across the board. So I just want to take a moment as we're looking forward, as we're talking about titles, plural, 
on the radio, not me and you as fans, you know, daydreaming, right? Like literally the cave show yesterday was talking about they could, the Nets have like three years to keep trying to get this title, realistically yeah. speaking, right? The next yeah. three years is a realistic chance to grab at least one, if not more. And that is such a higher ceiling than what it was with Billy King and Mikhail Prokhorov. And that's not to, to the Prokhorov's you know, fault. He tried. He was throwing money trying to win a title and he failed. And, and there's no shame in that because at least he was trying as an owner. Billy yeah. King, for all the problems he has, it's like, why were you the GM trying to make all these shitty trades when you're decent at drafting? Well, because that was the initiative. The initiative was to trade. Because remember, they only had a five-year window. So the, yeah, because he was going to get married if they, if we didn't win in those five years. Spoiler: He never got married. Yeah, so I mean, he so you know, the five year window you got to get veterans. Um, but it you know it's weird. The, but let's be realistic. Also, this is the first time we're legit champions. I mean, contenders. Even with Jason Kidd and everything. No, no, that was legit. Back with Jason Kidd, that was you were we were legit contending. The problem wasn't. Well, we well, were, well I was gonna say what I was gonna say was we might have been the best team in the East, but we everybody knew realistically we weren't gonna be any team out West. I mean, we got swept by the Lakers. We lost to the Spurs, although we had you, a chance to beat the Spurs. Like that's yeah, about saying, although you can make the argument we could, you know, a couple of different things go our way, we could have won that series. But real, realistically, we weren't really a real contender. We were just the best team in the East. Now we are a legit contender. No, but I don't buy that. We, we realistically were a legit contender because the damn Pistons beat the Lakers, and if the Pistons could have beat the Lakers, that those Nets teams could have beat the Lakers. Again, I, you like to hate on Jason Kidd and give none. Of I don't. I don't. I don't want to bring it up. Byron Scott. Well, no, I don't. I don't. I don't want to bring it up again. But the Pistons were literally the best defensive team of like the generation. <laughs> well, you should bring it up again. That's that's a, that's that's your point. I, I you know, I, I don't. I don't. But God forbid, I bring up defense. You know. So. Well, you, know. you don't want to talk about the Knicks, and the Knicks are one game over five hundred because of their defense. Yeah, and that's the only reason why they're one game out, out over five hundred. Yes. I know. But I'm just bringing. <laughs> I bring up the Knicks on here. To, to point out your defensive quality. Like, that's what you're saying wins titles. And they're fifth in the East. Yeah. Mm -hmm. by, your, by your standards, that's a contender. No, no. By my standards, that's what you have to do to win. And they were they were the worst team in the East last year. All, all respect to Tibbs, though, man. Like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. like, I, I don't want anyone thinking I'm hating. I, I actually think that he's done a great job. Yeah, he's done a fantastic job. But that's my point. He, You know, they, they were the worst team in probably the entire league last year. In basketball, yeah. They were the worst team in basketball last okay. year. Okay. He comes in, changes the defensive philosophy, and now they're fifth in the East. Like That's well, what I'm saying. Hold on. He, he didn't change the defensive philosophy. He created one. <laughs> that's true. That's true because they didn't have one before. But that's my point. Like, defense takes you a lot farther in sports than offense. Now, to your point, to win it, to, to your point, you need both. You do For the most part, you need stars and defense. But my point is you need defense, too. That's oh, yeah. all I was trying and to my say. My point with the Nets, right? The Nets had defense. So so just to your point, there's more nuance than defense wins championships. And that's not your voice. That's the, the stereotypical old head that, that's always like, defense is what wins championships. Yeah, no shit, but you need a team. And what the Nets always lacked was a center. And ironically, with, the, with this decade's version of the Nets, always lacked is a power forward. And now all of a sudden, we got Blake freaking Griffin. Yeah, he's not... Lob City, which, which, by, which by the way, do you remember this? I, I believe it was around this time last year we did a pod about potentially getting Blake Griffin in the amnesty clause. Yeah, and people were killing us. No, they were killing you. It was your idea. Like, oh, like yes, I'm sorry. They were killing me. All props, all props to you because you were you led that conversation. And you know me, I'm all down for imagining a better Nets team. That's why right now I'm just kind of like chilling on these pods because all it's going to be is me talking to myself about like. How fucking awesome are we? Yeah, I mean, so, <laughs> so like I, mean, I did enjoy. I have enjoyed this entire season. Well, no, so, yeah, no, exactly. But but people were killing me for saying we should get Blake working because it's no risk. And like, what do you mean it's no risk? What do you mean it's no risk? I said, well, if he gets amnesty, you just pick him up, and you know, if he plays well, great, you got him for nothing. If you if he doesn't play well, you can cut him because you got him for nothing. And they're like, well, what do you mean you're going for nothing? I'm like, you're, you're going to sign up to a veteran minimum. That's not nothing. That's not nothing. And I'm like, bro, like, please kill yourself. Because... Wow, this is one of the pods that weren't taken off of SoundCloud. So I just looked it up real quick. It's from May 29th, 2020. 
Okay. Blake exactly. Griffin to Brooklyn make more sense than Bradley Beal. Right. And and so and people were killing me for that. Like, oh, because they were and I hate people that do that. The little nuances, well, it's not nothing. I said, Well, it is nothing because you can't sign anybody for free, idiot. The 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 so literally the the lowest thing you can do is sign somebody to a veteran minimum, which is what we just did. Blake Griffin's only th- making a million dollars right now. That That is basically the veteran minimum. So it costs us nothing. And here's the good thing about Blake Griffin. I hate to say this. Let's say a whole bunch of bigs get cut. Let's say it's Drummond, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, DeVell McGee, somebody else, and you want to fill up those roster spots. I hate to say it, but if Blake Griffin isn't panning out, he probably will get cut to make room for, for the other guys. Um, and hopefully he does pan out. Hopefully we cut one of the 25,000 guards we have, uh, even though all of them are playing well. Um, but the point of the matter is Blake doesn't have, like I said before, Blake doesn't have to be this great, great scent, uh, guy, this great superstar that he was before. He just has to be a, a good role player. And I think he will be that. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's crazy to keep hearing people try to act and, and it's, and it's the fans. And I haven't heard this on TV though this season, admittedly, I've watched less sports talk about my nets than ever, because I have my own podcast, my own thoughts, and I don't need Stephen A screaming at me about Kyrie Irving, you know, talking on Instagram. So in regards to Blake Griffin, all the fans out there, NBA fans, not just Nets fans, they keep acting like there's a risk to this signing. I just don't get it. There's zero risk. We got him for the vets minimum. Even if he is a scrub, like it's, 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 it's well, no, here's the funny thing. thing, right? I, I just said I, about the rivalry thing. Well, no, no, I, I brought that up because it's hilarious that the the thing that I'm getting from everybody is like, oh, this is such a great sign. This is such a great sign. This is such a smart move. And like I said, he's been playing terrible uh, since when we talked about him. When we relatively about- terrible, relative to himself. Right. But my point is when we were talking about it, he was still playing performing at a decent level. Um, but yet we we're getting killed for suggesting we get Blake Griffin. Now where everybody is saying, Oh my God, this is so, the nuts are unfair. They got Blake Griffin. They're doing this, they're doing that. I'm like, wow. So what, what was the difference between when we said it and when it when it happened in reality? That doesn't and, make any and, sense. And what's the difference between the Nets fans that love Thad Young, right? I'm one of them. Yep. So all these fans love Thad Young, but you're calling Blake a scrub for putting up similar numbers to what Thad Young put up for us. Yeah. Think about that. Our best front court, and as far as the Brooklyn Nets years, right, since the move to Brooklyn, the best, the best front court statistically the Nets had was under Lionel Hollins, ironically, and it was Thad Young and Brooke Lopez. Yeah, absolutely. And so and that, and so that, that is the power forward the that's the standard for the Brooklyn Nets. And we just signed Blake Griffin, whose floor – is the best power forward the Brooklyn Nets have seen? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so I want I want to switch gears here a little bit, just a little bit, because like I said, it's been a long time since we talked NBA in general, because we usually talk NBA on the on the Nets pod, um, and we could go on and on and on about Brooklyn. We're great. We're you know we got Blake Griffin. We're probably going to get at least one other big before this is all said and done. So, and we can revisit that later. What's your, um, what's your prediction I, for the one other big? Uh, I'm 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 going to assume at least Drummond, if not LA. We're going to get one of the one of those. Which one would you rather have? I think I rather have. Ironically, I think I rather have Drummond only because Joe Harris is playing so well. He's going to start. So as much as I would love to move KD back to the three, you have to play Joe Harris. So KD's going to be our sm- our small ball. KD's going to be our starting power forward whenever he comes back. So LA kind of doesn't make as much sense because he's not going to be playing that four position. Drummond can play the, 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 he could start potentially depending on who's playing better, him or DJ. So, you know, I would rather have Drummond because he's going to be that defensive big that we really, 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 really need. Um, and like I said, and, and LA, you know, he's a great mid range shooter and stuff like that. But again, last week, last thing we need is offense. So no, I'm with you. I, I, I say Drummond, if we can get Drummond, I think, God forbid KD doesn't come back as as currently constituted. The Nets are a contender, right? So once again, good problems. But go on. You were, you wanted to move on. Good, good problems. Great problems. All right. So a couple things I want to talk about. Right. Um, All Star Game was last weekend. I know you didn't watch it. I did. Um, <laughs> it was terrible. 
uh, I hate to say it, um, the eight, the, the the love that they gave the HBCUs was great. I did like that. Sometimes it felt a little forced. I'm not going to lie. Explain, explain that to me, because okay, so everyone could know what I was doing during this game. This isn't a thing for the pot. I really didn't watch it. I was watching AEW Revolutions pay per view. I, all last weekend was UFC and then AEW for me. I did not care about the All-Star game this year. Just if not hating on it. If you wanted to watch it, go for it. I paid zero attention to this. So they were donating money to historically black colleges and universities. Right. And was it specific colleges or the, the winning team chose it? Was it like that? Well, it was, it was a whole bunch of stuff. They highlighted a bunch of HBCUs. Um, every quarter, uh, the winning team, although, Le- I mean, Le- Le- LeBron's team went all four quarters, but was donated to a charity of their choice, which was tied directly to, uh, you know, HBCUs and African-Americans. Um, I think Team Durant was the United Negro College Fund. But again, Team Durant didn't win any quarter, so they didn't get any money. And I forgot what what LeBron's team was donating to, but they, they got a whole bunch of money. Cause like I said, they won all four quarters. Um, but uh, some things were a little forced. Like they, they, they sang lift every voice and sing during the national anthem ceremony that, that felt a little forced to me. There were some things where it was like, okay, we get it. HBCUs. But like I said, for the general public to, to, to highlight HBCUs, I do think it was a great thing. I do think it was a great cause. I do think it was a great platform. So I will give them credit when credit is due that that was the, that was the deal. Was like, look, if we're going to do this, we want to do it where we're helping out these HBCUs because that is a cause that is very dear to Chris Paul's heart, who is obviously the president of the Players Association. So that part was good. The dunk contest was literally the worst dunk contest I've ever seen. That says a lot because the dunk contest has been up and down for the last 20 years. Um, the only was, memorable one that comes to my head immediately in a positive way is the Levine, Aaron Gordon back and forth. That, that was amazing. Yeah, um, and that happened twice. And ironically, because of last year, them screwing over Aaron Gordon again, uh, he and Levine decided not to do it this year. Um, and it hurt. It really did hurt the product because no offense to the young guys that were in it, but it was three guys that I think are all rookies who are all like, you know, bench players. And there was just no creativity. There was no, uh, there was no impressive dunks. It was really bad. And I think the overall theme was you can tell the players didn't want to be there for the most part. You could, you could tell the judges didn't want to be there. When I get it. They were trying to do it through a pandemic. They were trying to get it in. But like I said, the whole thing just seemed forced. And, you know, there was uh, you could just tell people just didn't want to be there. Um, and I said it last year on the pod, the problem with this new rule that they're doing is with the whole Kobe uh, thing with the 24 points and everything else, I said most years you're going to have a bad game because it sets itself up to be bad. And this was and the first year we had it, it was a great game. You couldn't have asked for a better game. This year was what I feared it would be, which is bad. Like I said, LeBron's team won all four quarters. Um, the way Doc Rivers was coaching the team Durant, I don't understand what he was doing. Um, shout out to Doc Rivers, by the way. Uh, to me, he's my coach of the year. No offense to Dan Snyder, but uh, Quinn Snyder, I should say. But Doc Rivers is my coach of the year. But I don't, I don't, I don't like the way he coached that All Star game. Just, you know, no flow to it. Just taking guys in and out, taking like in a whole hockey sized rotations where like the entire starting unit was out. Then the reserves came in. There was never any mix. Like, I don't think James Harden and Kyrie Irving were ever on the floor together. And if they were, it was for very little you know time together. So it was just weird. It was just weird. LeBron's team had fun because they were winning the whole time. And so it was entertaining in that aspect, especially when Steph and Dame decided to continue to just try to see who could shoot from farther distance. And they were both draining half-court shots every single time. And they ended the game on a half-court shot. So that part was fun, unless, you, unless you're one of those people that hate the three ball and hate you know how the game has gone that way. But, you know. If that's the case, just don't watch the NBA anymore. And I don't know why you would even watch the All-Star game if that's the case. But it was entertaining in that aspect. But in terms of competitive fire and it being a good game, it just wasn't. 
So the NBA is going to have to figure out what they want to do going forward uh, because that that was just not a good product at all. And uh, it, it seemed forced. And, you know, I think I think if the NBA looked back on it, I think they would have done it differently next time. Um, but speaking of also, I want to talk about one guy named Damian Lillard. There's been a lot of talk about him lately. And I know we got to wrap up, so I'm going to try to go quickly. There's been a lot of talk about him lately. He didn't make the all-star starting team. Uh, there's been a lot of debate. Is he underappreciated? Is he overlooked? Uh, Greeny pulled out a stat. Well, Mike Greenberg put out a stat the other day, which is surprising, but at the same time, it's not. Uh, through his first nine seasons, nobody, only three players have scored more points and more assists than Damian Lillard. That's Larry Bird, LeBron James, and Oscar Robinson. That's how good Damian Lillard has been. He is a surefire Hall of Famer. But a lot of people feel that he is not, you know, talked about enough or celebrated enough or looked at as one of those all-time greats. So the debate is, especially in the NBA, are small are stars and small markets good for the league? Because like, like we said before, this is a star-driven league more than any other league. And at one one point is you do need your stars in small markets because you need your small markets to at least be competitive or else what's the point? Just go back to having eight teams if that's what you want to do. On the other hand, it does kind of bog down the product in a sense because sometimes we don't get to see some of these stars as much as we should. And so we, we don't get to appreciate their greatness as much. So what's the answer? And a lot of people, you know, the Stephen A. Smiths of the world are like begging Dame to get traded and then the, the NBA purists say, no, I love the fact that Dame Lillard is in Portland. The NBA needs guys like that. I love Damian Lillard. He He's what I would be. I would have loved to play for a team like Memphis or New Orleans, like, assuming I couldn't play for the Nets. And I'm talking about the New Jersey Nets, not the Brooklyn Nets. Um, I would have loved to play for a team like Memphis, New Orleans, you know, you know hardcore city with good food and good music, you know, yeah, stuff like that. I, I love those guys that play for one team their whole career, especially in today's NBA. That's rare. So I love that about him. Giannis re-signed with the Bucks. I think that's a, I think I think that's good for the league. You need guys that are gonna do that because the league is better. Here's the problem. We look at it as small market, big market. The problem is Portland's just not that good. You know what I mean? When when Kevin Durant and, and Russell Westbrook were were on OKC, they they were in prime time every time they played. They both won MVPs. Uh, nobody nobody qu- questioned the greatness of Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook because that team was a contender. They were in the – I think there was a stat. Every year they were healthy, they were at least in the Western Conference Finals, okay? The problem um, is LaMarcus Aldridge left. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Greek Freak just won back-to-back MVPs in Milwaukee. And Milwaukee, even though I don't think they're a legit contender, I think they're overrated – Vegas and the fans and the media still believes that they're a legit contender and they're in prime time every time they play. And like I said, Giannis, Giannis for the last couple of years were the leading vote getter in the East until Kevin Durant, you know, it took a guy like Kevin Durant to usurp him. Um, and Giannis has won back-to-back MVPs. He's in a small market. Um, so it's not about the market. It's about how good the team is. And the problem with Portland is as great as Damian Lillard is, as good as that team is, team is everybody knows they're not going to win a championship unless they get help in terms of other teams being hurt or Dame just taking it to an even higher level than he's already taken it, uh, which is almost impossible to ask him to do. And and that's the issue. They're, they're too good to ever be a bottom 10 team and draft more players. And, but they're not good enough to ever, win a championship and because they are a small market team it's, it's hard to sign guys to that to that squad to help Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum out and that's the issue what they need to do and and I know and I understand why they haven't done it what they need to do is they need to focus on finding gems in the draft the Nets have proven you can do it that's what Sean Marks has done the last five years uh, other teams will do it. Jimmy Butler was the 30th pick in the draft. Draymond Green was a second round pick. Those are two bad examples because those were the years that, because Jimmy Butler was the year before they got uh, Damian Lillard and Draymond Green was the year they got Damian Lillard. But the point of the matter is there have been stars in the league that have come from, you know, the back half of the draft. You just got to find them. 
you know, Jared Allen, Karis LeVert, Nick Claxton, these are all guys we drafted in the 20s. So you can't tell me it's it's impossible. Uh, but but Portland's thing is we want veterans because obviously we're in Dame's prime. So they try to make trades and they try to sign guys. Okay, they traded for Nurkic, good, good pickup. They signed Robert Covington this past season, good pickup. But that's the problem. When, when you are a small market, that's the best you can do. What they're going to have to do is they got to find a third star and they have to do it in the draft. They have to focus their attention on trying to scout, evaluate, and develop young talent so that they can draft the third superstar that can go alongside Dame and CJ. And that's what they're going to have to do. If they don't do that, they're never going to win a championship. And Damian Lillard, as great as he is, he's always going to fall by the wayside, unfortunately, because this team is just not that good. And when it comes to all-star, the system is rigged against him. He's in a small market. So Portland will, tri- will, will vote for him. And if you're a Dame fan, you'll vote for him. But here's another problem. It's not a problem, but here's another thing that's working against him right now. He's from Oakland. And if you're from Oakland, he's splitting those votes between him and all the Warrior players. And it also sucks that he's you know, from Oakland at a time where the Warriors at the greatest they've ever been. So even this year, at one point, like Clay Thompson was top ten in guard voting, just because fans are being dickheads. That hurt Dame way more than that hurt anybody else. So in terms of All Star voting, it's going to be hard for him to start because he's not going to get those votes the way he used to. You know, the way he used to. He went to a small school as well. You look at a guy like, you know, Kai. He was in Cleveland, so he had all of Ohio in that area. He's from New Jersey, so he was getting all those tri-state votes, especially back when the Knicks and the Nets didn't have anybody that was all-star worthy, and he went to Duke. So he got a lot of votes from the Carolinas. So that's why he's always in the mix for starting, because he has a great base behind him in terms of votes. Dames kind of doesn't have anything going for him right now, because even him being from the Bay Area hurts him because he's splitting those votes. So it's very hard to do that. And then you have guys like Luca and Giannis, they're international. They have whole countries voting for them. So they're always gonna get those votes. So Damian Lillard is just a really interesting case because he is what the NBA needs. He is the guy that's gonna say, nah, I got drafted by this team. I wanna stick it out with this team. I wanna win with this team and the NBA needs that. The problem is, He's on a team that's never going to be good enough to win the championship. So he's always going to get the short end of the stick in terms of what we should be expecting from him, his hype, his, his marketability. And although he's on every single commercial, so his, he's making bread and he's, and he's on a supermax. So marketability wise, he's there. He was the cover of 2k 21. Right. And he was on the cover of live. So he, so. 2K. That's what I'm saying. He was on the cover of 2K and he was on the cover of NBA Live. Oh, no one cares about NBA Live. But the point is, he's got two. He's one of two people. Kyrie's the other one that was on both. Oh, really? Yeah. No. So, and ironically, both both players were on both, and both are considered really bad games, unfortunately. But they were on both. Um, but the point is, both lives were considered bad games because the, the 2Ks are, you know, good for for whatever roster you want, essentially. Well, no, no, no. Yeah, the lives were considered bad, but even apparent. And I don't play 2K, but apparently, the two 2Ks that they are on, I think 18 and 21 respectively, have gotten bad reviews from the gaming community. No, the bad reviews come from the microtransactions, not the actual gameplay. So old heads like me that only play my league uh, like it. You know what I mean? It's a good game, yada yada yada. The problem comes with the my career parts and the, all the microtransactions, the coins, yada yada yada. That is the part that gets the criticism. The actual mechanics right. of the game. I think if, if you complained about defense the last couple of years in that game, you just don't know how to play. Right. Well, yeah. But like I said, I don't play video games, so I don't care. But the point of the matter is, Dane's, you know, self marketability is as high as anybody's in the league. So again, the NBA is about the stars. That we will find you if you are in, if you are good. So that part shows that. You know, the small market thing isn't a problem. Like I said, where, where the small market thing is hurting him is they're never going to sign another superstar. And because they don't have other tradable assets besides Dame and CJ, and they've been very content of not breaking those two guys up, that it's going to be hard to trade for a third star. So that, it's not like they can trade for a Bradley Beal. It's not like they could have gotten into the James Harden sweepstakes. 
it's very hard for them to do something like that. And even if they did, how are you going to re-sign those type of guys? So that's the issue. But that's why I'm saying they're going to have to rechange their focus. Their focus is going to have to be, we got to find somebody good. We got to find a diamond in the rough in these drafts, maybe even two, and focus on that. Because if if they were a legit contender, well, this wouldn't be an issue. Dane would get, be getting the MVP trophies. He'd be getting all the recognition. He'd be starting. You know what I mean? That The problem is they're a mediocre at best team. I know they made it to the Western Conference Finals a couple of years ago. But realistically, that's as best as that's as good as they're ever gonna be, um, year in year out. Like I said, unless unless it's a situation where you know teams get hurt on their way to the finals and Dame just Dame times everybody every every single round. So um, I actually have one thing to talk about before we sign off. And me and you were gonna talk about this before the Blake Griffin stuff happened. So we kind of pushed this back, but. I can't let it slide because I'm a fan of all the parties involved. Yeah. Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And I know you're not a casual football, AKA soccer fan. Like I am. So Zlatan is a goat. I want to let you know that because a lot of times, you know, we don't know people's statuses when they get involved with more Western sports, right? Mm -hmm. Zlatan's a striker. He's played all over the world. He's literally regarded as one of the greatest of all time playing in the top flights of most countries. He has like uh, 31 trophies in his career. He has over 500 club goals, over 570 career goals. He scored a goal in each of the last four decades. He is 39 years old. He's literally one of my favorite soccer players in the world. He currently plays for Milan and it's his second time in Milan. He's played for other world clubs like Juventus, Barcelona, PSG, Manchester United. Dude, in his own right, is a, he calls himself a god because, let's be real, in, in the sport he is in, he is. But he recently commented on LeBron James and pretty much told him to stick to sports. He, I, I got a quote from SportsCenter. He says, this is Lawton talking, he is phenomenal in what he's doing, but I don't like when people have – when people have some kind of status and they do politics. I play football because I'm the best in playing football. That is the first mistake people do when they become famous and they come in a certain status. Stay out of it. Just do what you're best at because it doesn't look good. And he doubled down after the criticism he got from this. I shared on my Instagram, Richard Jefferson's response, Muhammad Ali, Bill Russell, Jim Brown, Billie Jean King, Megan Rapino, Kareem, Arthur, Arthur Ashe, Jesse Owens would disagree. Should I continue? That's all I really have to say here. If you believe people in sports should stick to sports, you're in the wrong country. Like, it, at least here in America, you're in the United the States, it, it, but beyond the world, because there's plenty of instances in world football where that doesn't make any damn sense. Barcelona is like the club for that part of Spain, for Barcelona to be, become its own independent Castilian nation. I, I hope I'm, I'm, I'm not butchering the different types of Spanish that's over there. I, I don't know that, that politics as well as other politics. But here in the United States, our history of modern sports is based in people like Jackie Robinson, is based in, in, in people holding up and protesting during the Olympics. Joe Lewis caught the whole world's eye for knocking out Max Smelling, who, who was perceived as a Nazi. He wasn't, but you know, he was not Nazi Germany's champion for the heavyweight title. Politics plays a role in sports. Sports started because of politics. The Olympics weren't because a bunch of different city-states really wanted to see who had the best athletes. So, right. and, and in more modern history, to say LeBron should stick to sports is ignorant of who LeBron is due to sending thousands of people to college. Dude is open to school. He's donated more money and done more philanthropy in the state of Ohio than any other person in that state's history. Well, you know what's funny? So I watch—I don't know if you watched the show. It's called I Am Athlete with uh, Brandon Marshall, Chad Ochocinco, Fred Taylor, and uh, 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 I can't remember the other—I uh, can't remember the other guy's name. It's really good, and they talked. And they talked about in one episode. They talked about politics, and Fred Taylor, who's amazing. Like, every time he talks, he just sounds like. You know, that's coming from God himself, just wisdom. He's got wisdom out the ass, right? Um, he's like, bro, I pay taxes. I, I, I can talk politics. You know what I mean? Like, if I, if you pay taxes, you should talk politics because that 
because politics controls everything we do. And, and I've said this before, especially here in America, our entire law system is based on our economy, which is why even though other countries shut down during the pandemic, we literally could not do that because our entire system is run off of capitalism and making money. So uh, to your point, and I understand it's not like it's not like that in the uh, rest of the world. Uh, so for him to say, yo, stick to sports, it's like, no, to be very honest with you, we shouldn't stick to sports because whether we like it or not, we're more than sports. Whether we like it or not, we are more than sports. We, you know, if I am a professional basketball player, baseball player, football player, whatever, I pay taxes. I, you know, bring my t- kids to school. I have armed security around me, which from the, from the local police station. I have uh, politicians going to my games. I have business people going to my games, talking to politicians. The politics is all, and I'm black. Oh, so, and, and James did answer. He told reporters, I will never shut up about the things that are wrong. I preach about my people and I preach about equality, social justice, racism, voter suppression, things that go on in our community. He also referenced how Ibrahimovic had made comments of a political nature in 2018 when he hit out about experiencing covert racism in Sweden due to his last name sounding foreign. I, and I remember that happening as a fan before adding, this is LeBron talking, I'm the wrong kind of guy to actually go at because I do my homework. Ibrahimovic doubled down, however, stating in a press conference, racism and politics are two different things. We athletes unite the world, politics divide the world. And again, insisting we don't do other things because we are not good at it. Otherwise I would be in politics. So I think it is a complete culture clash. And also he is Swedish. So racism in Sweden, who knows? Racism in world football is terrible. So if he's, if he's compartmentalizing it as racism and politics aren't the same thing, us as black Americans, we obviously feel much different about that. So I think it, it is also just a difference in what well, we- Well, you know what? I, I say this all the time. Race, race isn't a political issue. It's a human issue. It's a moral issue. I say that all the time. So when people say keep politics out of sports, I always comment, well, if we're talking about race, race isn't politics. That is a moral issue. So that is, that's not a political issue at, at at all now we make it a political issue because we talk about the system and everything else so it becomes a political issue but racism and race especially here in america that is a moral issue that isn't a political issue so i do understand him about that but like i said before and and he's also an athlete that does things for you know the kids for for different charities like i don't want to make he's not a bad dude this is one of those things where i don't think he realizes how he's hurting certain issues here in America because the only time he's been in America was when he played a couple uh, one season I think one or two seasons for the LA Galaxy and MLS so mm-hmm. like politics is different country to country we well, you know but you know it's funny that if that's the case if he's if he's not talking about the char- charitable thing that he's talking about if he's not talking about race what the hell is he talking about it's not like I don't know I I, I, I mean I, I guess maybe like you know when LeBron goes at Trump or whatever whatever but like other than that like LeBron That's, talks about everything. Let's be real. Like, so who knows right. what, who knows what the, what, what his, what he was actually thinking of. Cause I didn't hear the whole interview. I, I wasn't listening to the Swedish version of Disney plus or whatever his interview took place on. So I don't know. It could be a translation thing. It could be a context thing. There's plenty of things that if you take one paragraph of what me or you say, t- especially talking about race or politics, it could sound or be perceived as a completely different thing is what I meant it. I don't think he meant the shut up and dribble because who knows if he knew that, um, you know, uh, Nazi Barbie said that a couple of years ago. He, I don't know if he actually knows that. I don't think he's, I don't think Zlatan Ibrahimovic is watching Fox News over in Italy. Right. No, I mean, I, yeah, like I said, I, that, that's very weird to me because I didn't know that. If, he, if he's not talking about race relations and he's not talking about charitable things, I don't even know what he could be referring to, especially since like, LeBron, what has LeBron talked about lately? Well, LeBron is one of the bigger donors when it comes to, like, you know, highly publicized athletes. He is, if we're taking occupation out of it and just going by money or status and influence, LeBron has had influence since Obama was president. Right. I, I guess, but I guess my point is what did LeBron say or do that would have prompted him to say that recently? Because he hasn't talked about 
at least to my knowledge, he hasn't talked about politics in a long time. And even with the whole thing with the vaccine, he's getting criticism for saying, I want to keep that private. So, and I, and I believe those comments were made before he even said the thing about the vaccine. So I so now I'm confused on why he even said that if, if LeBron, if he's not, if he's not talking about race and he's not talking about charitable things, what could he have possibly been, been, you know, criticizing LeBron for saying, because I don't think LeBron has said anything anymore. And, and also, let me say this, that is really stupid to say we should just stick to sports because y'all don't just stick to business. You're not a businessman, right? You're, you're, oh, dude, I, I'm, I'm beyond that. I think it's, I, I think me and you have expressed more than a couple times how stupid we think the stick to sports thing is. Also, before we sign off, we would be remiss. I brought up Jeremy Lin earlier. He's right now trying to fight racism in the NBA because somebody called him coronavirus in the G League. Listen, if you don't think uh, Jeremy Lin is this, is worth the hype he is, that's one thing. But the fact that he's a vet. The fact that he's a veteran of the sport as a profession, not just the NBA. He has an NBA ring, rode the bench, but he has a ring, right? He played over in China. He's played in the G League and made and made a name for himself in the league years ago. The fact that people in the G League still want to disrespect him by saying anything that could be perceived as racist needs to stop. The fact that people are calling him a whiner for, for expressing how this racism needs to stop is still ridiculous. And, but but and I guess that's my point though, that, and that's what I was getting at. I know I'm not talking to you when I say that, but there are people that might be listening to this pod that do believe, oh, athletes should stick to sports, athletes should do this, athletes should do that. And for and for another athlete to say that, I think it's stupid because again, if we're if we're going to be literal and say stick to sports, don't think, don't talk about anything else, don't do anything else. Okay, cool. So don't sign any endorsement deals. Don't do any type of business. Because you're only a you're only a football player, or you're only a basketball player. Don't do anything else if that's what, if that's the route you want to take. Because that's silly. That is so you should talk about everything else except politics. That doesn't make any sense. Politics is the one thing we can all talk about because, like I said, we all pay our freaking taxes. Well, that's that's what I mean. That's an that's an inherently American perception of it too. So so like that's all I'm saying here, man. I don't know how the Swedes consider politics. I don't know how somebody that's been traveling Europe and the world since he was a teenager perceives politics. We here in America know LeBron is more than just a basketball player. We here in America know what Jeremy Jeremy Lin means to the sport beyond just what he does on the court. Right, but my my, my point is, I don't care where where you're from in the world, right? If you are a professional athlete, because I'm pretty sure this dude has some business stuff going on. He's got some endorsement deals. He's probably got a, he might have a tequila, you know, named after him, whatever, or, you know, some type of business platform, right? For him to say, let's just stick to sports, that that is stupid. So unless he literally shows up, plays the game, goes home and doesn't do anything else at all, he shouldn't say that because that doesn't make any sense because that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I understand politics is different around the world, but the one general thing that they all have in common is they all do something outside of their profession, just like everybody does. We're not just whatever our profession is. We do other things. We're trying to, we, me and you talk about business ventures we're trying to do. Me and you talk politics. Me and you talk about other things that we're trying to do. So that, so that thing of, oh, stick to what you're good at, that makes zero sense. Like, I don't care. I don't care what country you're from. I don't care what your beliefs are. That literally does not make sense because nobody does that. Nobody does just one thing with their life, and that's it. We all have, there's politicians, like I said, there's politicians that do other things, especially here in America, because like I said, politics is business. You cannot separate the two in America. But I, I understand that's different in other countries too, but you cannot tell me that uh, politicians in other countries don't make business moves as well. Money is what makes the world go around. So for, for the people that say, oh, stick to what you know, people know multifaceted things because we are multifaceted people. We're not robots that are literally programmed to do one thing and one thing only. That, like, so, that, so that whole mindset doesn't make sense. And I don't care what part of the world you're from. That's literally not how people work. Like, literally, animals don't even do that. <laughs> but tell them where they can find you, bro. 
You can find me, unless you only do one thing in the world, you can find me at Never Feel Bright Me. That's N-E-V-A underscore the number four B-R-E-T-T underscore M-E on both Instagram and Twitter. And if you want to follow me at not the Chuck D on all my socials and see how much I don't stick to sports on there, go for it. But you can find us at the dope blog, the underscore dope blog on Instagram at the dope blog on Twitter, all one word at www.thedope.blog. And obviously iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the good places, Podbean that you can find us. Like, subscribe, download all that good stuff. TikTok. And there was something I wanted to say. It just slipped my mind. Damn. Well, I guess I guess I'll go talk about politics. That's why you should just stick to sports, Charles. I, I won't. I'm ill. I'm ill. Sicker than your average. I'm ill.